but Johnny, it may be time to play the Beetlejuice card. What do you mean? I mean saying his name three times. What? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Shut up! You fucking crazy? We don't want that guy running around in here. No, Johnny, he'll be on our side. He'll help us. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. If you are meddling with powers you do not understand, cut the shit. Hello, hello, and welcome to Garrett Talk Sports. I am your host, Garrett Clausen, joined today by my uh, longest friend, I think, at this point in my entire life, uh, Mr. David Skaggs. How you doing? I'm doing well, and by long, you, of course, don't mean my height. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, people like to joke that we are uh, domestic partners. We lived together for so long that uh, that finally coming to an end, though, or it finally came to an end. And uh, Mr. Skaggs has a, a big wedding coming up. Yes, in nine days. Can't wait. I'm excited for the honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> Skip the party. Go straight to the honeymoon. I'm, you know, I'm all for that, but I won't be there. <laughs> or will keeps, I? <laughs> my brother keeps joking. Him and his girlfriend are going to show up. So we'll see what happens. I won't know anybody when we get there. <laughs> But uh, we're, we're here today to do the uh, AFC South breakdown. Uh, we got a real exciting, riveting division for you. Uh, somebody's got to do it, and I appreciate you for taking it for the, one for the team here. I figured I would take the reins for it since we decided to do our uh, unique league this year where there's eight teams, we each get a division, and somehow in the draw process, I got the AFC South. So <laughs> you could say I'm an expert on the four players that are fantasy relevant from this division. <laughs> But uh, before we get into that, uh, do you want to uh, to plug any of your social media? If you want to follow David, you can uh, find him where? Mostly just on Twitter, at DavidSkaggs37. That's uh, Skaggs with a K, not a C. All right. Well, if yeah, send him a follow. He's got some uh, some good things to say about sports every now and then. <laughs> on rare occasions when, I, when, I, when it tickles my fancy to, to make a post. <laughs> Uh, and as always, you can always follow me at uh, Garrett Talk Sports. It's G underscore uh, Talk Sports uh, on pretty much all social media. Um, we also want to remind you, everybody, to uh, send in the voice messages. We got uh, another one to play for you. Um, and so we're going to actually show that to you right now. Hello, Andy Flannery here. Wanted to ask the question about Julio Jones to the Buccaneers. Just signed with them. Curious what you uh, think his fantasy take will be. Well, hello there, Mr. Flannery. I appreciate you uh, making yet another appearance on the voice messages. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, I actually wanted to to bring this signing up uh, in general because it's uh, it's a pretty big deal. And knowing that we already did the NFC South breakdown, um, I just kind of wanted to get into a little bit. Uh, Julio Jones obviously signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a one-year deal. Um, uh, paired along with the news that Chris Godwin has a realistic shot of possibly making it to week one, which was, uh, not something we thought would happen coming off of his ACL injury. Um, what are your thoughts here on, uh, on Julio and just kind of what it means for the rest of this Buccaneers team? I think it's a very good NFL signing. I'm not so sure there's much fantasy relevance. I mean, Julio is still a freak athlete, but. You have Mike Evans, you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Julio. They paid Gage money. Like he's, he's going to get involved. And as we know, Tom Brady loves his tight end. So, yeah, he may not have Gronk anymore, and he may not have O.J. Howard. But Cam Braid is, I'm sure, going to be at the very least someone who's named here enough. I mean, that's just so many targets. And Fournette's going to catch passes. I mean, that's, that's a lot of targets to go around. I'm sure Julio will have at least one game where he gets like seven catches, 120 yards on a touchdown, and everybody goes, oh, he's back. We knew it. It was coming. He's healthy. And then he has seven catches the rest of the season. I mean, 
doesn't seem like he's really going to be overly relevant, but I love the move from a football standpoint for the Bucs. Not so much as a Falcons fan, but from an <laughs> unbiased opinion, I think it's a great move for the Bucs. I think uh, Julio Jones might be doing a tour of the South at this point. You know, played at Alabama, played for the Falcons, then went to Tennessee, and now decided to go to Tampa. So he pr- clearly does not like to go anywhere else. <laughs> Four states now. <laughs> Um, but I, I think for the most part, I agree. I don't think Julio has a ton of relevance uh, for fantasy. I, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm like already picturing the game where he goes off for like 120 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, probably. Um, and the Falcons fans will probably cheer to watch him score against <laughs> them because as the Falcons fans probably all want to lose their games and watching Julio score against them will be just icing on the cake. <laughs> It'd be nice to see Julio score a touchdown in Atlanta for once. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh it's more uh fantasy relevant for some of the other pieces. I was pretty excited for Mike Evans, and it's not that I'm not still excited for him, but I think that uh the more that they keep adding to this receiver room and the fact that Godwin might actually be back for week one, uh means there are probably gonna be less targets for Mike Evans than I was kind of hoping for early in the season for him. Um, and I also think it absolutely kills what might have been for Russell Gage because Russell Gage was looking like he was going to be the wide receiver too for at least several weeks until Godwin got back. Then Godwin is going to be back, and and now they have Julio, and it's like, how how do you expect them all to be super productive? They'll all have their weeks, and it's a fun offense. But and I want to be optimistic about Julio that he's healthy and will be able to play well and like establish himself on the team, but I'm not really convinced he will even be able to be ahead of Gage on that team. I mean, Julio was just constantly hurt and he had a pretty good end of the season last year. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I want to be wrong because I always loved watching Julio play just such a freak athlete, but at the same time, I mean, that's, that's just a lot of people, a lot of mouths to feed. And granted Brady throws it more than everybody else. And with all those weapons, why wouldn't you? I mean, he might be 72 years old, but he can still sling it around the field. Yeah. And my, you know, I was really big on Brady last year and, uh, you know, he ended up having a a really great year, but I was starting to be a little bit more down on Brady, especially in fantasy, because I thought that it felt like they were losing weapons and that the team was actually getting a little bit worse than they were. Um, Don't you build up. (laughs) But I mean, you go get guys like Kyle Rudolph and Julio Jones and it's uh, MVP season coming right up. I mean, I, I, I don't think. Brady will win MVP this year, but I think that uh, he's starting to look a little bit more appealing again. He's the highest rated quarterback on Madden, so Madden thinks he's got a good shot. <laughs> yeah, well, Madden loves Brady, uh, other than his first two years when he was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, other than that, I, 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 we'll see what happens. The Bucks are obviously a fun team, and you can always take shots at players uh, on on good offenses because they're bound to at least give you a couple of weeks of production. Um, but uh, thank you again, Mr. Andrew, for uh, for sending in your voice message. Remember, everybody, to send those messages in. You can, There's a link in the uh, episode description every single week. Uh, send in your questions, comments, concerns, whatever you got to say. We'd love to, to answer your questions on the show. But uh, let's go ahead and get into some breakdown. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get started with the Houston Texans. Uh, not, uh, not everybody's favorite team at this point because they are uh, not good, not too good, not too good. Yeah, it's probably going to be a show for them. I'm seeing another uh, top 10 pick in their future. Yeah, um, they, they have a lot of in, interesting, I think is the best word, options. Uh, they've got a, a lot of, what if for fantasy purposes, I call them a lot of dart throws because they don't have anyone. 
outside of probably Brandon Cooks that you feel really comfortable starting on a week-to-week basis. Um, you know, you've got Davis Mills at quarterback, and we'll start with him uh, as a guy that's not going drafted in, in your regular redraft leagues, but is an intriguing dynasty option. I know you are the uh, current dynasty manager of yes, uh, very proud owner. Davis Mills. Uh, he wasn't terrible last year. I think I at the very least had to consider putting him in late in the season after Lamar Jackson was getting uh, beat up a lot. But he's certainly he's not a bad quarterback. He was very highly recruited out of high school. I think he was the number one or number two high school quarterback prospect his year. But it didn't really click at Stanford. And but he was also hurt a lot. And then he gets drafted and the third round, the first pick the Texans had that year. And I mean, he it really wasn't as bad as he could have been, considering he's a third third round quarterback that got kind of thrown into it. I mean, he he it really wasn't bad, but not not really fantasy relevant. More of a good uh, NFL quarterback than a fantasy quarterback. Well, yeah, I mean, he had three games last year uh, over twenty points. Uh, one being a twenty seven point game. Uh, granted, it was week eighteen, so it was quote unquote garbage time for the season. But like in a team like that, you're trying to earn yourself a role. Um, he is certainly an uh, an interesting option if he starts to get a little bit better and find his way into uh, you know a, a real starting job where they're not going to try and replace him ne- again next year. Then you know he's a he's an interesting dynasty option, but I'm avoiding him pretty much completely in redraft unless I have like a super flex league where you have to start two quarterbacks. Absolutely, but I mean you know it's. We'll see what he does. I mean, you know, I mean, even Matt Ryan has games where he gets 27 points, and I'm not starting him in fantasy either. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, he's, you, there are worse options, but there's there's a lot more, a lot better options too. Yeah, the, uh, they didn't do a lot either to give him better weapons than he had last year. It's very similar to what he had last year. Um, you got Brandon Cooks, who's, you know, by far the, the, the number one target of this offense and probably the focal point of this offense um he's definitely somebody too that uh always is perennially going or beating his average draft position i think we always think ah, it's just brandon cooks he's just a guy like he's just gonna do do his thing and not be like super elite which is true but it pushes his value down on draft day and then he always beats it he's almost been a wide receiver to his entire career every single season um and he's going to be the leading target getter for this target eater eater him uh, for this team. So, I mean, how do you feel on Brandon Cooks as as his option? Brandon Cooks is a he's not a bad wide receiver one to have on your team. He's probably at this stage of his career probably more of a wide receiver two that you would want on your team more than a wide receiver one. But I mean, he had what five years in a row where he had a thousand yards and he was on a different team every year by getting traded for a first round pick. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's clearly pretty good. He's been he's succeeded with all different kinds of quarterbacks. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely a team that. I'm sure we'll be looking to get another compliment weapon, which I think they thought they had Mechie, who unfortunately we won't see this year. But Nico Collins has been a solid guy to have as well, but he feels more like a number three receiver for a team. You really could use another one, especially if you don't have that dominant tight end, which they don't have that either. (laughs) It's very weak on fantasy talents for this particular team, but Brandon Cooks is still a good option to have, and he's going to succeed no matter who is his quarterback. Yeah, and you know it's funny because when you talk about him being traded every year for a first round pick, uh, this will be the f- the first time since the beginning of his career that he's gotten to a third season with a team. Um, <laughs> but 
especially he's, for someone as good as he is. For a 28-year-old who's going into his eighth season in the league, to finally get to a, a third year uh, is kind of uh, embarrassing. This but is a <laughs> seventh-round, third-string right guard we're talking about. <laughs> this is a, a premium wide receiver talent. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like you said, Nico Collins is a dynasty stash at best. Uh, maybe he shows something more to where you can – pick him up as a waiver wire guy later in the season. Um, and at tight end, you got Brevin Jordan, who I'm hopeful for. I have him in dynasty as like, as a stash, because he was a, he was a talented in terms of pass catching tight ends uh, last year or two years ago when he came out as a rookie, he, he dropped in the, in the draft in the actual draft. And I think a lot of people kind of wrote him off because he was like a fifth round pick when a lot of people expected him to be like a third round pick. Um, he was a talented pass catcher at Miami, but he just never really got the draft capital. Um, but is projected to be the number one tight end on this roster. Just doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, of upside with an offense that ranked dead last last year um, and didn't do a whole lot to get much better. And they like to run more than one tight end out there, which is also annoying for fantasy purposes. But also makes sense when you don't really have good receivers. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to throw everybody, you know, if, if you want to play for the Texans, they're probably taking applicants right now. So uh, call, give them a call. <laughs> um, otherwise, you got the running back room, which, again, uh, for back-to-back year, really three years in a row, I would say. They're just grabbing whoever they can and throwing them out there and saying, oh, what do you guys can figure it out? Uh, you got the, room, the running back room of Marlon Mack com- still coming off and recovering from that Achilles injury. Uh, Rex Burkhead, who was their leading rusher last year. Yikes. Embarrassing. <laughs> and the rookie, the, the hot sensation that of Florida, uh, Damian Pierce, who in redraft leagues is really the only one of the three really being drafted. A couple, you might see some people take shots at Marlon Mack or Burkhead, but that's dumb. Yeah, Marlon Mack showed us a few years ago that he could be good, but then he had the injury, and Jonathan Taylor took over for him, and they just never really let Marlon Mack do anything. And whether that's because Taylor was so good, or because they were like, "Ah, eh, we're just gonna hide Mack, and maybe we can get someone to trade for him and get us a good pick because he's not worth it anymore." Who knows? And Rex Burkhead, that was very surprising that he had, how well he played towards the end of the year. Also, kind of. Is embarrassing the right word? I mean, <laughs> just, no other running back could do anything for that team. But Rex Burkett, I mean, David Johnson at one time was a beast. And yeah, that was, feels like uh, decades ago. But right. I mean, Rex Burkett played decently well. He's always been that guy that can, you know, he's a pretty solid one-week fill-in for a football team. I don't know about more than one week. but uh, <laughs> And then you have Damian Pierce is, of course, going to be the guy that people are going to want to draft. And maybe their run game gets better this year after drafting Kenyon Green to help boost the O-line. The O-line should be a little bit better, try to take some pressure off of Davis Mills. And we'll see what happens. I think I read earlier today that Damian Pierce had more twice as many rushing touchdowns last year as the Texans did. So, that's, <laughs> so I read the Texans did And I think he had 16, something like that, some crazy number. I mean, it was... Uh, maybe that maybe that'll be able to rub off on his new NFL team. Yeah, and well, what's interesting too is Pierce. Um, you know, he was a little bit of a later uh, running back. You know, draft capital wise, because the, the Florida didn't use him a ton uh, at, in college, and I think that's why there's a little bit of hype for him because in what we got from him was really he was very productive in what little production they gave him. It just felt like the coaching staff just didn't trust him for some reason to give him enough of a role. So if he gets a full role, uh, it might be pretty interesting to see what he can do. 
Um, but other than that, I, I that's really the whole the whole Texans team yeah, that did. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and move on to somebody else. We also got the, another great great team in this division, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, the back to back number one pick team for the last two years. Um, another team that is in a rebuild, you know, have a brand new coach because Urban Meyer was a bum and uh, they quickly needed to move on from that. As I predicted at the beginning of the season, I would like to point out that he was not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, all of his scandals aside, uh, he just didn't feel like a great choice and uh, it's a great choice for them to move on and uh, hopefully give Trevor Lawrence a real shot. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was the high heralded quarterback uh, that everybody has wanted for years and had a more uh, Demarcus Russell type first season than I think anybody would hope. <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely mediocre, not the, not the start Jaguars fans are looking for, but I think having Doug Peterson as his coach will be huge. I think he will help him to be a much better quarterback. Just look at what he did with Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz is not someone anyone would consider to be MVP caliber, but he was on that track. And maybe he's not anymore because of the injury, but I'm sure a lot of it has to do with coaching as well. And Doug Peterson, the former NFL quarterback himself, I mean, he clearly knows what to do to succeed. I think he's going to make Trevor Lawrence a much better quarterback into the guy that everyone expected. But he's also someone I expect to be more of a really good NFL quarterback than I do as a fantasy quarterback. Yeah, that's probably true. He's um, He is somebody that I think people are taking a late, late, late round shot on. You know, maybe he breaks out. I mean, we look at people like to compare Peyton Manning's rookie season where he threw, what, 26, 27 picks, um, you know, People are like, well, if he can do that his first year, then, then Trevor Lawrence can have a bad first year and then turn it around. Not saying that, that Trevor Lawrence is Peyton Manning because we haven't seen anything to prove that he's that good yet. But um, he's definitely at least an, an interesting option. Um, they spent money like they were giving him all kinds of new great weapons, but not sure I would they really. <laughs> I mean, they definitely spent money. Yes, that part, <laughs> yes. But uh uh, Zay Jones, even that was a bit much for him, you would think. But all that money to Christian Kirk. And I read something earlier that said that his breakout year, and he had like 700 yards. If that's a if that's a breakout year, superstar year, then wow. Then I mean that is, and that that seems like an exaggeration. Yeah, he'll obviously get the chance to be a, a number one, where he was probably like a three at best uh, for Arizona his entire career so far. Um, but and he's also the only really the only pass catcher being drafted um, in fantasy right now from this team. Um, take a late round shot on at him, and if he ends up being like you know Trevor Lawrence's go to target and has a really good successful season, then you you know you feel pretty comfortable with it. But you know, this is not an offense that you're going to trust passing pass catching options a lot of. I feel like I might be a little higher on him only because of the whole follow the money thought process they're paying him a lot of money they're going to get him the ball like he i mean they're gonna have to throw it some they're a team that probably will lean on their running game more assuming those guys are healthy because those guys are should be phenomenal but since we're talking about receivers we'll get back to that (laughs) christian kirk it's going to be interesting like i I, he could be very good but maybe trevor lawrence sticks with the the guy he knows and martin uh martin harrison coming back (laughs) Uh, martin jones you know you had the had time to kind of connect last year and uh, at the very least a good veteran presence to have but Christian Kirk, I mean, he certainly looks like he could be maybe make it onto that wide receiver too. 
platform, probably going to be closer to wide receiver three for the most part, but and you never know. And he's someone that I would at least be looking into. Yeah, he's somebody like if you get him, he's probably, I mean, he's going as like a wide receiver three or four in drafts. And so I don't have a problem taking him there if you think that he's got enough of a shot of being the guy. Um, the follow the money, you know, theory is is a good theory in that, that they're going to want to get him involved. But at the same time, we saw this last year from the Patriots who spent a lot of money on guys like Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. And yeah, they weren't any any better. So I'm a little worried it's going to be closer to that than, uh, you know, let's. I was thinking more of a Galladay example with the Giants. but <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, both not great options. <laughs> so, uh, you know, history isn't really proving well uh, in that front. But uh, uh, Kirk at least has been healthy, whereas Galladay, uh, you know, his. Kirk issues was, what, was once a second round pick. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a pedigree to where it was really good at Texas A&M. I mean, he very well could finally show that player that people thought he could be. But you know, we'll see. I mean, the receivers a position that, in my opinion, teams don't need to be paying up for anymore. Not with the way that rookie classes are. I mean, right. I know, I know, not every rookie receiver is going to be a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson. But I mean, there's still lots of other really good young receivers that you just I. To me, paying that kind of money, especially for someone of Christian Kirk's caliber, seems a bit uh, seems like a not the not the best strategy. Yeah, just kind of throwing money right in the toilet. Um, yeah, I, like you said, Marvin Jones is probably the only other one that I right now, at least, that I feel would feel comfortable. I wouldn't draft him, but he's definitely somebody. He's one of those guys I've always felt comfortable. Like you're in bye week hell, or you got a bunch of injuries, and you're like looking around, and you're like, eh, "There's Marvin Jones. Like he has some good weeks from now and then." Like. He's somebody I feel okay throwing in a lineup if I have to. And he'll probably consistently get you those four catches for 50 yards about every week. And so. if he scores and you're like, all right, yeah, that was worth it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah as the veteran presence, he he should be uh, at least a comfortable target for Trevor Lawrence. Everyone else, though, I mean, you've got LaVisca Chenault, who I think – I don't, I don't want to label him a bust already, but it doesn't feel like they're going to use him the way that everyone kind of hoped he would when he was drafted to this team and – uh, so for fantasy purposes, him and Zay Jones just don't feel very confident for you know using them on a week to week basis. I wouldn't take uh, Laquan Treadwell either. That's <laughs> probably not a good choice. <laughs> Man, I was so high on Laquan Treadwell his rookie year. I thought he was going to be awesome, and he was a total bust. Um, I do think there's at least an interesting tight end option with Evan Ingram. Um, because talent-wise, he was amazing. I mean, he had put up one of the best rookie tight end years we had ever seen with the Giants, but then couldn't stay healthy, and then that offense has just been so up and down um, the entire time he was in New York. But he comes to, you know, he comes to Jacksonville now, and if he if he goes back to being what he was his rookie year, then he's at least an interesting option. You don't have to draft him, but he he's somebody that to keep an eye on for sure. I love this fit, especially when you think about, I, I love tight ends on teams when they have a young quarterback. Cause that's always who they want. They're always wanting to check down to the tight end. And Evan Ingram is definitely a catch first tight end. He is super athletic. And I think he could be, I think I foresee him being a top 10 fantasy tight end this year. He's, I think he will have a wonderful season. Yeah, that is certainly possible. Um, it's not outside the realm of possibility. As long as he pulls the talent that he had at the beginning of his career and not more towards the, the, the late stages of his giants career. Um, but in my opinion, this is another situation like we talked about with Aaron Jones and green Bay, where I think that there's a decent chance that the number one pass catcher on this team might be coming out of the backfield and it might be Travis Etienne. Absolutely. 
Uh, he obviously has the the college uh, experience with Trevor Lawrence uh, playing together, and he is a tremendous pass catcher. Um, he is coming off of the injury, the list rank injury, which was a tough a, a tough year to miss, especially a rookie year. But I, I think he should be able to come back fine and be healthy, ready to go. Absolutely. That injury was almost a full year ago at this point because it was in the preseason. So him and he already – it's not like he needs to work on that rapport with the quarterback. He's had that. They went to college together. They played great together there. They look like that could be a heck of a – a heck of a dynamic between the two of them throughout the season. I definitely foresee him doing really well. I'm very excited about seeing what he's going to do. I'm a little worried he's going to end up getting the, his ADP is going to get pushed up because of other people being excited about it. Um, especially, but then again, maybe too many people think, well, what about James Robinson is how much is he going to take away? And while James Robinson may not quite be ready week one, he may or may not. I think that's still up in the air, but even if once he is healthy, is like his injury was much later and his Achilles injury is a lot different to recover from than the Liz Frank injury. And like, but while yes, James Robinson has been a beast when he's been healthy, ETN, yeah, that's a whole different animal. He's much better pass catcher and should certainly dominate that part of the game for out of their backfield. Yeah. And for a team that's expected to not be very good um, and probably be trailing a lot, you would expect ETN to be the guy who's going to be in the game a lot more. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of expecting almost an Alvin Kamara type season out of, it may not be, you know, top five. I, I, that, that I've not quite there yet saying, you know, you know, put a stamp on, he's going to be a top five running back, but I feel like that's the kind of usage we're going to expect out of him because he's on a bad team that, is going to be in throwing situations more than rushing situations. And that just fits what they want to do with ETN. Um, plus he's got the the first round draft capital. I know it wasn't with this coaching staff, but that, that coaching staff didn't last very long. So, um, so I, you know, they, they could easily turn to him um, and just dump the ball off to him left and right and make him very, very valuable. Uh, James Robinson uh, you know, he's unfortunately it falls under that same, you know, Phil, we saw Philip Lindsay, these undrafted running backs who have these great years. And then people are like, yeah, we didn't spend any money on you. We don't really care. We'll just, we're done with you. And we'll learn a lot about the Achilles injuries this year between him, Cam Akers and Marlon Mack, all trying to make recoveries and be starters for their teams. Like may, you know, he, he could have some usage. I mean, do you? I mean, do you feel comfortable even drafting Robinson as a as a guy on, on your team? Certainly in the late rounds, if you're like when you get to that last round or two, and you're just like, all right, what dart throw can I throw out there that I think has the potential of being a really good player, someone who or not really good might be a stretch, but <laughs> someone who could be serviceable, someone who you could have spot starts in for bye weeks, or maybe even more if you get lucky. I mean, we've seen James Robinson show that he can be the RB one. I mean, he's certainly has that. We'll see what he can do off of his injury. Uh, obviously, we'll limit him as uh, a lot of injury analysts will tell you that it's usually the second year back from the injury that a player really is fully recovered. So maybe he's not his former self. And maybe they just use him as a goal line back so he doesn't have to run that far. And then hurts ETN's value if he takes away his touchdowns. Well, I, I think I think even if even if uh, he's completely, uh, you know, if he's banged up a little bit, I, I kind of expect him to be their goal line back. I think that a lot of his fantasy value probably will come from touchdowns because I don't know that ETN is really going to be the goal line. He'll score his touchdowns because he's explosive, you know, but they're not going to be the, you know, they're within the 10, you know, 10 yard line. I expect them to be giving it to James Robinson more than I expect them to 
handing it off to ETN to try and bulldoze people because he doesn't really profile that way. Um, so maybe you get lucky and James Robinson scores like 12 touchdowns and uh, is you know relatively fantasy relevant for this team. Um, or maybe Raquel Armstead breaks out. So we'll see what <laughs> Let's happens. Let's go Rock Armstead. <laughs> That's the guy. That's the one you want, you know. <laughs> so it's 2008, right? <laughs> you got Eddie George. You got Steve McNair. No. <laughs> okay, wait, that's not even 2008. So the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we've got uh, a, a team that has uh, one that was the best team in uh, the AFC last year in terms of record. Uh, really, really likes to focus on their run game. You know, you have Derrick Henry, who has been an absolute monster since taking over the role uh, in Tennessee. Uh, he is coming off of the, the injury this time uh, to where – might be the first time we ever see them try and scale a little bit back. Um, but I, you know, this team is, uh, they're, they're not much different from last year. Their, their past catchers are a little bit different than what they had last year. They kind of retooled the, uh, the receivers by trading away AJ Brown for basically for Traylon Burks, uh, and then getting Robert Woods to come over and be the, the wide receiver two, possibly one, I guess they're, um, but we'll start with, with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Um, I know you used to be the, the Ryan Tannehill guy in dynasty, but you traded him away, uh, and, uh, now have Lamar Jackson. So, you know, what are your thoughts for Tannehill going into this season? First of all, my thought is I'd rather have Lamar Jackson. So <laughs> I'm happy with that. But the Tannehill, like when he took over from Marietta, from Mariota, he, <laughs> from Mariota, for, he, I mean, he came off playing really well and a lot of people were excited about him. He was doing well, even from a fantasy perspective, he was worth a roster. And then the next year when he got to be the full-time starter, he was top 10 fantasy guy, particularly later on in that season. And so I was certainly happy to have him initially in our dynasty league. And I'm even happier now than not have him because I, I he's, I mean, he's going to be a mediocre quarterback, definitely QB2, if not QB3. There's there's not really a quarterback in this division that you're super excited about. The two we've already discussed with the Texans and Jaguars, I mean, they they at least have seemingly more potential to continue to get better. Tannehill and Ryan, we've seen their best days. They're not going to get – they're not going to do better. But Tannehill, he runs a little bit, which is nice for a fantasy perspective. But, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not touching him. Yeah, I mean he's he's 34 years old. He he reminds I mean him and Kirk Cousins I feel like have been in that same boat for a while, but Cousins that t- team is on the upward trajectory whereas like the Titans I feel like are either staying the same or if not getting worse than they were last year. Um and so I mean he's finished as a a, a low end quarterback one the last two seasons with Tennessee, which is impressive considering how much they run the ball. Um but I just yeah, he's not somebody he's basically uh probably like the definition of the perfect streaming quarterback like when you're on a bye week and you just need to throw somebody in there you could pick him you'll probably be able to pick him up and put him in and feel comfortable getting your 15 points and Maybe call it a day and they'll be playing a different afc south team so you know it'll <laughs> there's a pretty good chance for points to be scored because none of those defenses <laughs> exactly uh but we know that this offense is going to run through derrick henry um he has led the league in rushing um did he end up finishing the year with more rush rushes, even though he only played half a season? I know he was at least in the top in the top five for a while, even after stats. even after he was not playing. No one needed further proof that he is their bell cow player. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure he's their tight end and fullback as well. I mean, he's just such a dominant 
dominant guy out of the backfield that, I mean, I would hand the ball to him 40 times a game too. I mean, it's very old school football, but it works. I mean, if you're, if he's going to average four yards a carry, that's, you're never going to have to punt. I mean, as long as you get those four yards, I mean, that's, it's something that he's always, that he's done really well since, as you mentioned a moment ago, since they let him take over. Uh, once they, uh, uh, DeMarco Murray DeMarco was, Murray, yeah. Once he was gone. Yeah. The DeMar- and DeMarco Murray you know, was kind of a, a little bit of a bust when he went to Tennessee. He really only had the one good year with the Cowboys. But we won't digress in that season because I still think we should have won the Super Bowl <laughs> that year. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I, I Henry does concern me, though, coming off this injury, and he's getting older. And he's had, like, 4,000 more touches than any other running back, which is only a slight exaggeration. I mean, it's it's definitely concerning, but at the same time, you're, if you're, you're going to take him in the first round, probably with a top-five pick, probably sooner than that in most cases, because uh, it's Derek Henry. He's going to get you 20 points every game because he's going to run for 200 yards every game. The, the issue is, will he play every game? And how long can he keep it up? Uh, and the you know knowing that he is like normally I don't like to bank on touchdowns, but he's like the safest bank for touchdowns that there is in the league. Um, since he took over the starting role, he's never had less than ten rushing touchdowns this season, and I expect that to continue uh, because I, if I could pick anyone in the NFL to take a goal line carry, pretty Henry. easily Derek <laughs> Derrick Henry. Um, yeah. I, I do think, like I said a little bit earlier, that I do think that they'll probably take a few of those carries away this year uh, as opposed to what – because he basically got 98% of the carries uh, the last several years. And I just don't think that that they can – after the injury, after seeing what happens when you lose a guy like Henry, um, I think that they'll finally maybe scale it back a little bit. They understand that he is their offense and that they're going to give him the, the work. But I wouldn't be surprised if they scale it back and give Hassan Haskins, the rookie, maybe a couple of carries that they would normally give him. And then you also got uh, a couple of other running backs that might catch passes. Jordan Cannon is more of a special teams guy. But that's, again, that's why it's surprising to me after what happened last year, why they let Dante Foreman just go. I mean, he played pretty well for them. I mean, you can't possibly be expecting him to play like Derrick Henry in Derrick Henry's absence. But he played like an NFL running back. And so now he'll get to – He'll just get to play whenever McCaffrey inevitably gets hurt. Oh, well, <laughs> let's hope not. <laughs> but, uh, I th- you know, it, what's interesting, too, is they uh, last year finally looked like they were starting to get uh, Derrick Henry a little bit more involved uh, in the passing game. He actually had – Three targets a game? Well, to I mean, it, yeah, it, 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 we're talking on a very small scale. But he, he already matched his, like, season high in pass catching, uh, and he only played eight games last year. So he was on pace of double – what he did granted that double (laughs) (laughs) but i mean if they continue to get him involved in there it's obviously at least a little bit more helpful in that regard um and like i said i think uh they also have uh what's his name dontrell hilliard who i think was probably the best pass catching running back they have on the roster so maybe he will probably be more of the third down uh back in obvious passing situations um, but Henry's the only guy you really care about. Uh, you would even even Haskins as a handcuff. I, I don't. Let's, yeah, because we don't really know. We didn't know last year they had to go get Deontay Foreman. They tried to get Adrian Peterson and try that experiment, and that wasn't uh, any more productive. Um, but then the the pass catchers uh, basically retooled entire pass catchers from both of their starting receivers and 
their tight ends are all brand new to the team. Um, we'll start with uh, with Traylon Burks because I think he has the most upside of all of those guys, uh, rookie out of Arkansas. Absolutely. He's someone who they consider to have the same kind of tools as Antonio Brown, the difference being that he has a – A.J. Brown, you mean? Wrong A. Brown. The difference being that Traylon Burks hasn't necessarily tapped into it fully. In college, he played really well, but not as well. At, like He didn't have the same numbers as the other first-round picks, but he had the better combine numbers. Like He was faster, could jump higher, all that all that underwear big stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And so, I mean, it's uh, he's going to be an interesting option, especially since they don't have many other options. The only other person you would expect, at least particularly from a fantasy perspective, would be Robert Woods, Bobby Trees. But even he's coming back from injury. So Traylon Burks is probably going to have to take on the the brunt of the targets, except he's probably going to see every team's number one corner to start the season. We'll see how that affects him, someone who, yes, he has the tools, so we'll have to see if he can quickly make that jump. He also apparently has asthma, and that's the first time I think I've ever heard somebody like complain about asthma in the NFL. And I don't, I don't really think that's going to be an issue. Like he clearly dealt with it in college. <laughs> I don't think he just randomly got asthma. So, but uh, he's that Tennessee air. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real, real humid in Tennessee. <laughs> so um, he's just like Arkansas is that much different. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but the. Yeah, he's definitely the most intriguing option and has the uh, the most potential to be a breakout star. I definitely think with, like most rookie receivers, you kind of have to wait more towards the second half of the year to really get, like, good production out of them where you could feel, like, comfortable starting them. Um, but he, he's interesting. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of first-round receivers in particular. When you see them in this situation, do you think, oh, yeah, I think that, like, even right away, they should be able to dominate targets and really make a name for themselves. But he feels like someone who might take a little more time because of how raw he is. Someone like the, uh, the Drake London for the Falcons, who should be able to dominate targets, but he's not as raw of a player. I mean, he was the first receiver taken for a reason. Right, right. And, you know, they they obviously felt comfortable enough to take Bur- uh, to trade away the already proven A.J. Brown and take his replacement. And, you know, when they're already comping you to that guy, I guess it makes sense to just go ahead and get younger, even though AJ Brown wasn't very old. But yeah. <laughs> um, there's definitely excitement for him. Robert Woods, like we touched on, you know, he is a little bit older coming off of the injury. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they use him in any way similar to what the way Ram- the Rams did, because they kind of lined him up everywhere. He was played in the slot, he played outside, he even had a couple of rushes every year those positions are certainly open there <laughs> yeah the, i mean yeah, the, the the targets are absolutely wide open we that that's what makes this team a little bit difficult to predict is because none of them have been there and we know this offense goes through derrick henry so it's like who's gonna come in and command the targets uh woods feels like a he's always been a relatively safe ppr guy because he like, tends to be the guy that you know just kind of dump it off to and when you're kind of scrambling around and trying to you know, make the play, ha- any kind of play happen out of a busted play or whatever. So, uh, Woods, I'm not super excited about, but I think, you know, he's draftable, he's, he's draftable and safe to, to take and put in your lineup as a flex play from here, you know, every now and then. I'm not expecting elite numbers. But obviously, my guy Josh Malone is going to go off this year. Josh Malone! <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and then you've got uh, the last the last pass catcher. Another situation kind of similar to the Evan Ingram thing, where like a, a guy where we saw really great production on a different team, but then 
you know, Hooper, oh, we're talking about Austin Hooper. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, uh, he was great with the Falcons for two years, finishes a top seven uh, tight end and back-to-back seasons, and then went and signed this massive contract with the Browns, and then they he just didn't need a tight end. Right, and they just didn't use him in any shape or form the same way that the Falcons did. Um, but now he's going to come back to, you know, a team that needs a tight end and needs and has targets to spare. And, uh, you know, maybe he goes back to what he was and could be a productive tight end. I definitely have high hopes for him for this year because, I mean, as we said, there's targets to go around with A.J. Brown gone. The guy's name right this time. <laughs> and uh, but it's uh, uh, yes, they're a run heavy team. But the statistic I saw earlier today was that they still throw the ball 52 percent of the time. They still throw it more than they run it. It's still the most run-heavy team in the league, at least they were last year, and at least when Derrick Henry was healthy. And they have been their, I think, uh, top five for the past four years, even when they had, uh, back when Arthur Smith was their offense coordinator to the guy they have now. And so, But they're still going to be, someone has to have the targets. You expect Traylon Burks to get some. You expect Bobby Trees to get some. But Austin Hooper's an interesting play because, I mean, tight end is – very hit or miss as it is. Like we have what, like seven that seven or eight that everyone feels at least pretty confident in. So if you don't get one of those, you're looking for someone. There's a couple in this division that have at least that upside that they've shown it before. Not just upside that oh they're a rookie, so maybe they'll do it. But guys that you know, Austin Hooper, top seven tight end option previously. Evan Ingram, top ten option previously. I mean they're they have the ability. It's just whether or not those offenses can generate enough offense for the tight end. Yeah, and whether or not that they still have that left in the tank compared to what they, you know, they used to do. Um, I, you know, I, I like Hooper. Like we said, he, he, there's, you play your, the top five to six or seven tight ends, or you wait and you just roll the dice and you hope that one of them works out. And if they don't, you spent little to no draft capital on them and you move on to the next guy that you think has a shot and Hooper will fall right into that category with the, uh, about 90% of the rest of the tight ends in this league. Finally, we've got the Indianapolis Colts, uh, my personal favorite for this division. I think they have, uh, I think, easily the most potential of any of the teams in this division. Uh, really, really blew it last year. Uh was so embarrassing. How do you lose to the Jaguars? Yeah, you can't. The, team with the number one pick in the draft kept you out of the playoffs. That's just embarrassing. Well, it's more embarrassing that they still got the number one pick and kept you out of the playoffs by beating you in week in the last week of the season. Um, but so because of that, they decided bye bye Carson Wentz. We're going to switch to Matt Ryan, um, which was partially a product of the Falcons experimenting with Deshaun well, Watson. There's no reason <laughs> to rehash old things like that. Though. Um, but I think Matt Bryan brings a little bit of uh, encouragement to this team, which I think we say every time they bring in a new quarterback every couple of years. Uh, um, are you more in line with Matt Ryan being uh, the savior of this team or more like the lines of when they brought in Phillip Rivers, uh, an older quarterback who's just going to be a safe option? I think it's more like Phillip Rivers. I think that if he was the quarterback in that game against the Jaguars, they would have made playoffs. <laughs> but because he wasn't. Uh, not so much. I mean, I, I think that the Matt Ryan trade was good for both teams, though. The Falcons need to start over, needed to start over basically from scratch. They're going to have a lot of cat space next offseason, so the Falcons should be able to bounce back, but that's enough about the Falcons. The Colts, <laughs> in, in the meantime, they have Matt Ryan now. He's still a serviceable NFL quarterback, not in the least bit fantasy relevance, but for NFL quarterback-wise, he should still be a solid quarterback. He should still be 
a perfectly good option to get the ball to guys like Michael Pittman and company. And I think that he will, I mean, he's maybe a guy you can use like a bi-week fill-in for fantasy purposes, but for the most part, like he's just someone who should make that team better overall, good veteran leadership, good locker room presence, all that, all that fun stuff we say about old players <laughs> old, so, yeah. just or old people you know, just, all, all together uh, but so i think he helps that team but not necessarily from a fantasy perspective not from a quarterback fantasy perspective yeah i mean it's encouraging to think that he could at least get go back be back up a little bit because obviously like the falcons didn't give him a whole lot of time to throw they also didn't really have a whole lot of weapons last year um, i'd rather have Pittman as my wide receiver one than russell gage yeah i mean yeah me too but <laughs> Uh, and the, the old line to me is like the biggest upgrade. We, I don't think Matt Ryan, even in his MVP season, I, the old line wasn't as good as the Colts line is. And that was a pretty good old line. I mean, I mean, Quentin Nelson makes that old line just amazing. I mean, that's and how many times on a fantasy podcast are we gonna talk about an old line <laughs> or an individual player? On <laughs> I, I, I think though, I, yeah, fantasy wise, I'm not taking Matt Ryan as a as a starter, but I think that he's at least encouraging to help the other pieces in this offense. Um, and he also has the potential. He probably fits right into the streaming scenario like you have with Tannehill. Um, it, it could be better than Tannehill because his team is at least a little bit better, in my opinion. But with zero rushing at him with Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah, Matt Ryan. I mean, he's going backwards, if anything. Um, you know, but we'll, we, we talk about his weapons because M- Michael Pittman, I think, is a lot of people's favorite like breakout for this season where breakout, breakout, like actual breakout where he, you know, he's shown uh, pretty productive results for this first two seasons in the league um, and receivers. It used to be, and now rookies have come in and been really, really good over the last couple of years, but it used to be year three for a receiver was the breakout year. And I think that he's one of my favorites to make that leap. Uh, and it has more to do with that his talent such a homer. <laughs> and not less to do with the fact that he went to USC. Um, Cause in my opinion, when he was at USC, I wasn't like, Oh, like the fact that he got drafted in the second round, I was like, Oh, okay. I, I thought he was good. I didn't think it was that good. All the rest of us went, okay, is this another one of these guys like, coming out of USC and be a second or third round pick or sometimes first. And then you never hear from him again. Yeah. And he had an average rookie season, and then he he doubled that production last year. Um, and is was statistically in terms of like contested catches and uh, and downfield target rate and stuff like that. It was actually one of the better receivers in the league. The problem was the consistency at quarterback from Wentz was pretty bad, and so that's where we're hoping Matt Ryan is going to bring that extra level out of him. We've seen Matt Ryan, obviously, you know, Michael Pittman is not Julio Jones, but he's at least got a quarterback that supported Julio Jones for, you know, however many years he was in Atlanta, uh, that maybe we get that out of him. I mean, it's especially as we mentioned earlier, having being able to stay upright is huge for a quarterback like him. He's not making plays with his feet. The plays he makes with his feet are the business decisions that he makes when he just drops to the ground so he doesn't get hit. And so having that time should help him tremendously. He should be able to get the ball to Pittman downfield, to Alec Pierce downfield, to whomever downfield. And so that I, he definitely should put up better numbers, both real life and fantasy, than he has over the last few years with the Falcons because he has much more time to make throws. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing, too, especially for Pittman specifically, is obviously 
Julio was always kind of known for not having a lot of touchdowns. Matt Ryan didn't seem to support throwing touchdowns to his number one receiver target. It's like he wanted to put them in different groups. <laughs> like, you're this, my touchdown. You're my touch- you're yeah, my exactly. Guy. Like, you know, uh, and so you worry about that a little bit with Michael Pittman, but I also don't know that, you know, in the passing game that there's another option I would feel comfortable throwing to in the red zone. Uh, you got the rookie Alec Pierce, who hopefully is enough to um, be the number two guy on the on that team, um, and at least take double teams away from Pittman because Pittman's gonna have to be the guy. He's gonna have the most targets. He's gonna be the guy that that Matt Ryan has to rely on. But you got to hope that somebody steps up to be the number two. And in my opinion, Alec Pierce has the best shot. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, they drafted him high. There's. I mean, that in and of itself is a great reason behind it. I mean, Paris Campbell has been a guy that people keep waiting to have that great season, to have that kind of breakout, but that doesn't appear to have happened. I mean, maybe he does it this year. And uh, they've got my, one of my favorite receivers, Kiki Cutie, on the team now, but uh, just <laughs> love saying that guy's name. Uh, but he's probably not going to take much away. Like, we thought he would have a, a breakout a couple years ago, and that didn't happen. So he's he, at this point, appears to be more like insurance for if everybody else gets hurt. But... Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman look like they could be a pretty legitimate duo for fantasy purposes and in NFL purposes. Yeah, uh, Pierce got a lot of com- uh, comps to uh, Jordy Nelson, which I when I heard that one, I was like, man, if they have a, a season like the Packers used to have with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, like if that's like the kind of you know receiver receiving core they end up having, like they could be really exciting. Um, so there's potential for the for these pass catchers. Pittman uh, is going in a range too where he you can either go heavy running back uh early and you know if you believe in the in the breakout he can be your wide receiver one and you can feel comfortable with that or if you build a more of a balanced approach he's your wide receiver two and if he makes that leap he's that's the type of league winning when he's not the guy that you're relying on he's your you know he's your number two guy that makes the leap to be a one and you already have another one on your team um, so he's, I know a lot, a lot of people are very, very excited for Pittman this year. Um, and Pierce, like I said, if he can, it's hard to gauge the rookies, but there's always a couple that, uh, that break out and have, uh, at least extended weeks of productivity to where maybe they're not as exciting for this year, but going forward in the future, we get more and more excited for them because we see them used correctly. Uh, <laughs> Um, otherwise, uh, you know, uh, the other pass catchers, uh, that, you know, like you said, we're oh, not Ali Cox. Yeah. Yep. He's going to be the touchdown machine. <laughs> and he, uh, he is huge. The dude is like absolutely, yeah, I, I would feel comfortable throwing to him in the end zone <laughs> considering he's like a foot taller than the next closest player. On, <laughs> I personally would feel comfortable throwing in the football <laughs> in the end zone. Um, the problem with the tight end room with the Colts is they always use not only just like two, they always use like three. Like, they haven't really, like, stuck, I feel like, stuck to one tight end since, like, Dallas Clark. <laughs> right, and they seem to definitely focus a lot more on blocking, which certainly makes sense with the run game that they have now. And, I mean, that just makes it so much easier for everybody, as we already talked about how great their O-line is. Yeah. Um, so, I don't, I you know, you can take a dart throw at some of these guys, but uh, not drafting any of them. Streaming very like maybe they're playing a team in week ten who's given up the most fantasy points to tight ends and you don't have anybody and you're like all right let's give it a whirl yeah then you try Moali Cox or whoever ha- happens to be starting for them that week um, I know they drafted uh, Jelani Woods who some people are excited for 
as a rookie. The issue is with rookie tight ends, unless your name is, you know, is Kyle Pitts and you go in the top five, like it's hard for rookie tight ends to come in and actually be uh, productive and fan, especially fantasy relevant early on in their careers. Um, but I think obviously the most exciting piece on this entire team and a guy that I don't understand how we let him fall to you and whatever, what the yeah, like two, third, three turn of yeah, the, of our the startup. Man, I have never been more thankful to. I would like to take this moment to thank my fellow <laughs> members of our dynasty league for allowing him to fall to me in the third round because I am so happy I have Jonathan Taylor. He, Getting to pair him with Dalvin Cook has been an amazing opportunity, and I just want to really sincerely thank all of you for allowing that to happen. Uh, I'm going to pull the Oscars music and get you to stop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Only would lead to a championship. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get there one day. Maybe. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is the consensus number one overall pick uh, pretty much across the board. Um, seeing what he's been able to do in the, you know, the, the first half of his rookie year, he was being slowly sprinkled in. But as soon as he took over the role, he never looked back and he was, he's just been dominant. So they drafted him, but they still had Marlon Mack, who then tore his Achilles, I think, on his seventh carry of the season. And so they're like, all right, yes, it's JT's turn. And they, of course, didn't just throw him in there. They still had. Hines and uh, uh, that other guy <laughs> running back that they were able to use for a while that took a, some snaps away, which made sense. I mean, you know, most rookies, you don't want to be throwing out their full board. I mean, quarterback's a little different, but uh, I mean, so it kind of worked out pretty well, I think. I mean, he had, a, I think, an RB2 season that year, and then last year he just jumped out at everybody and just started going off. He's involved in the passing game, which he wasn't really in college, which – might have as much to do with it being Wisconsin and how they don't, they just don't throw the ball. Yeah. Also those cold big 10 teams are like 90% run. So maybe that was it, but I mean, it's, it's been a, it's been a beauty to watch and a pleasure to watch personally to see his, uh, see him blossom like this. <laughs> He's turning into such a, such a sprightly young man. <laughs> he, uh, the, the interesting thing uh, though is, you know, he's going as a consensus number one because he is the safest running back. Um, and a per game basis, both Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry have been better than Jonathan Taylor has been. The problem is they've had their injuries and they've missed games and they're, you know, they're also both getting older. Um, and so you, you're, you feel more comfortable taking him at the one-on-one, but I wouldn't be like totally shocked if people took McCaffrey or Henry above Jonathan Taylor. Um, especially because we haven't seen a back-to-back RB1 finish since I'm pretty sure LaDainian Tomlinson, wow. it's been like 20 years since we've seen somebody uh, go back-to-back -back as the uh, as the RB1. Not only that, I actually saw a stat earlier that said most guys that finish in the top two don't ever get back to a top two finish. Not saying that's going to happen. I think Jonathan Taylor is pretty secure. And, it helps that he's also still really young. Right. And he's and it, the thing is when you, you know, you're taking the number one overall pick, you're – you're hoping for at least a top five finish. Like you're ba ba banking on the guy who's going to give you the best chance of getting a top five finish. He hasn't had very, it, really any injury concerns and he is going to dominate carries and he is very productive with those carries. So he's the obvious one in my opinion, but don't be surprised if he doesn't fit, you know, he's not going to, you're not going to lose your league because he came in the top five and not number one. Oh no. <laughs> Only the fourth best running back this year. This Darn. Sucks. And usually that that difference between the RB1 and the RB5 is like 15, 20 points. Yeah. I, think, I think he ended up scoring 57 more points than anybody else, any other running back last year. But again, 
McCaffrey missed most of the season. Derrick Henry missed most of the season. I mean, it's not like the other guys behind uh, JT were that bad. But they were still very good. They just weren't quite as good. Dalvin Cook misses two or three games every year, which I suppose in a way keeps him fresh for the end of the season. But <laughs> I mean, it's I, you, you can't expect him to be number one every year. As much as I'd like to expect that out of him, I I don't expect that. But he should he should absolutely be a top five, assuming no injury. No. Does does Naheem Hines and all this talk that he's going to get a bigger role scare you at all from not not from obviously like from Jonathan Taylor but like did you think that they're going to take more than they're they did before away from him? And it would make sense. Hines has been super productive when he's played. As much as it pains me to say that, uh, <laughs> taking any touches away from JT, but if it keeps JT healthier longer, and I mean they have a week fourteen bye, so uh, certainly as we get towards those middle weeks, it might make more sense to take. Uh, a little bit of a load off of JT to help him get into the bye before he can really rest up. But I mean, Hines is incredible out of the backfield. He's annoyed me more than on more than one occasion <laughs> when I face an opponent who's been desperate for a running back and they throw in Hines and he gets twenty five points. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he and he's obviously he's got uh, weekly usage even uh, without an injury to Jonathan Taylor because he is their primary pass catching back. I mean. J- Jonathan Taylor can catch passes. He's he's definitely qualified to do that. But Hines is the obvious passing downs guy and the guy that they, you know, Matt Ryan is also always, you know, he's thrown to his running backs a lot in his career. Um, so, you know, I think that's why people are a little bit more encouraged for Hines as a usable piece. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's not the handcuff. The handcuff. I mean, I'm not really convinced Philip Lindsay is the handcuff, but he's probably more likely to be. Yeah. He is more of a ground and pound running back compared to, I'm going to run so fast you don't see me, like Hines. And- very fast, very fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Lindsay, yeah, if you're going to, if you know, I agree, if, if you're going to draft a handcuff to Jonathan Taylor, I think it probably should be Philip Lindsay. Um, but he's only, he's a true handcuff where the only way you're ever using him is if Jonathan Taylor goes down. Uh, Hines is somebody that will have a role regardless. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's going to be a fun team. I think that uh, they, they have some potential, and uh, if if they really take off, they could. I'm not going to say Super Bowl favorites because I don't think they're quite that good. Yeah, I, but yeah, I, I definitely would not go that far. <laughs> but this this division concerns me as one that may not have a team over 500. I realize that might be the minority, and that might be a bit of a spicy take. But the Texans and Jags certainly, I don't see them getting to 500. The Titans, you just don't know with that team. I don't. Th- I mean, they've been consistent for the last couple of years, but Derrick Henry gets older, Tannehill gets older. It's not like Tannehill was bringing anything that nobody saw coming, so a lot easier to get figured out. And who knows what Matt Ryan really has in the tank? Maybe he's re-energized by being with the Colts. And maybe JT has another solid year. Maybe he gets hurt, and then their season goes down the toilet. I mean, there's. Uh, I mean, they're maybe their their defense could stay healthy with uh, Shaquille Leonard. Oh yeah, Shaq Leonard, baby. Maybe he can. Uh, <laughs> lead their defense and keep them in a good position. They should win their division. I'm not saying they will finish under 500, but it feels like a possibility. And they also could end up having the best record in the AFC because look at the rest of the division. That's six games right there. And the Titans did it last year with an okay team. For the same reason, the Bucks had a good shot at the best record in the NFC, look at their division. No. It happens every year. There's one team that has a much better record than they probably should because their division just isn't that strong. And then there's the NFC strong couple years ago where everybody sucked. So <laughs> nobody had a good record. <laughs> so if you're picking your division winner, are you going with the Colts? Yeah, I think we have to. I mean, they've got a better all-around team. They have probably 
Like, yeah, maybe it's about even quarterback-wise, but they definitely have the running back that you would probably want the most. They've got the best receiver in the division. They've got the best O-line without a doubt. I mean, that's – I think you have to pick them. Yeah, I, and uh, I, I'm i going with the Colts to win the division as well. I think they probably have the best defense of this division as well. Like, just ever, you know, from top to bottom, they, they made some pretty good moves to – to be consistent and they've always been like not underrated um but consistently solid enough to where like they can still run the ball as much as they want to because their defense isn't like giving up chunks and chunks of yards where they're having to Makes their catch up look even better they're not having to be on the field constantly it's less drives they're having to be out there fewer points presumably in that scenario so i mean that's Matt Ryan's going to love it there. <laughs> He's going to have to do nothing. <laughs> All right, so which of uh, which of the players in this division are you picking to be your fantasy MVP to, to win you a league this year? I really want to pick Rex Burkhead, but I think I'm going to have to go with Jonathan Taylor. Like, that seems like the obvious one, right? I mean, he's... I mean, it's it feels unfair to, like, almost like I'm cheating, picking the guy who's going number one in the draft, but, oh my goodness, I mean... And I'm obviously biased with our dynasty league, but at Derrick Henry, I'm not confident he'll stay healthy. He's getting older. He's just taken such a wear and tear on it. I don't know how well he will continue to hold up. The Jaguars and Texans don't really have anybody that jumps out at you as, hey, they could be fantasy stars. They have guys that could outperform their ADP pretty easily, like such as Ingram at tight end or – Brandon Cooks could even do the same at receiver for the Texans, but I think I think it's got to be a JT. I mean, he's was such a beast last year, and there's he's only 23 years old. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to do that again. No, I mean, yeah, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor is obviously a very uh, very easy pick as a as a favorite. Um, I I am going to pick though as my MVP somebody that I think in terms of you know. JT will probably finish in this division as the number one scoring player. Um, but in terms of somebody that I think that's going to win you a league, I'm actually going to go with ETN because I really think that they're, that he is going to have a breakout and be so heavily used uh, in an offense that is going to need him that uh, he's going to be, you, you'll get him in the fourth or fifth round and he's going to perform like a, you know, well, I'm going to say top 12. I think he finishes as an RB one. Not, uh, not. I'm not gonna say top five, but uh, an RB one and actually wins you a league. That is ballsy. <laughs> Unlike my pick. <laughs> I like to, I like to go out on a limb. <laughs> um, but that uh, pretty much wraps up our show. I thank you, uh, Mr. Skaggs, for uh, for coming in and uh, joining us today. Most welcome, sir. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> I just hope that for all of our dynasty listeners out there, especially in our league, I'm going to win this year. I don't care what it takes. <laughs> That sounds like collusion to me. <laughs> uh, but as always, we're going to finish with uh, with one last question. Kind of a, not multiple choice, but, but multiple choice. I <laughs> uh, want you to pick uh, one of these favorite Sports Center moment uh, commercials. What, what, which was your four top? So we all know these commercials. They're always hilarious. Whoever, I hope whoever came up with this idea is living nice and retired now with a lot of money. <laughs> so the, the best ones that we can think of on top of our head – We've got the John Clayton one, the, the mom, I'm done with my interview, <laughs> lets his hair down. There's the uh, Peyton Manning brother, or the Peyton Manning brothers, the Manning brothers walking around taking a tour, which is always hilarious. And I love Peyton Manning, so it's always fun for me to see him goofing around. Kicking each other, acting like little kids. There's <laughs> also the one where Scott Van Pelt steals LeBron's chair. <laughs> LeBron's like, have you seen my chair? And he goes, no, don't, don't, no, 
what you're talking about there, good, LeBron. Good, good luck finding it. <laughs> or another one that's uh, always been a favorite of mine is when the, the New Jersey Devil in the elevator <laughs> and the anchor is like going up and he just shakes his head no. He goes, whoops, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Oh, those were the days, the classic commercials. Uh, you guys you guys, let us know what your favorite is, and uh, we'll see you guys next week with another episode. Yeah, wait. Well, I'd love to stay and chat, but you're a total bitch. <laughs> <laughs>